0: Rapture
1: The text for the sermon this day is taken from Romans 15, specifically these words. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you, For the glory of God. That is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This past Friday, after I got done with the Siblio cheating game, when I was driving home, I heard on the radio the song, Let There Be Peace on Earth, and let it begin with me. You all know that song? I'm not going to sing. No, let there be peace on earth and let it begin. Okay, that's as far as I'm going. But I listened to that song and it made me think about the reality that we long for peace. We long for peace more than just about anything else. Because we live in a world filled with division, filled with conflict. And it's that way from the moment you are born until the moment you take your last breath on this earth. It begins when you're a child and you're born into a family, and you might have some siblings, and right away there's going to be conflict. Fighting over who gets the most attention from their parents, trying to decide who is the favorite and who isn't. Or you might fight over who's, who's ta- borrowing stuff from the other without asking. And as you grow older, you go to school. And then you've got a whole set of new people to get into conflict with your classmates. And you fight. You have, you have fights with them. And some of them become your best of friends. And yet you still end up with a great fight with them. Then you reach the age of 18. And you get the right to vote. And you're introduced to the conflict that is politics. Which, as everybody knows, this was a particularly tough one. But... It's like that just about every election. And at at that same age, if you are a man, you are required to register for the draft. And there you get to see the conflict of the world. Nations raging war against one another. Killing one another. For whatever reason. Then you, reach the, you enter into your 20s. It's time to get married. And you find that person that you love, that you would be with until death do you part. And yet, there is conflict amongst you. And many of these conflicts get so bad it leads to divorce. In our nation. On average, there are 800,000 divorces every single year. Since the year 2000, over 12 million people have been divorced. Now divorce is actually going down, but that's more likely because the number of marriages are going down. And then, as you grow old, as you get married, you might have children. And then your children will be a source of conflict. And parents are a source of conflict for you when you were a child. And then, if you go into a vocation, you work somewhere, you have conflict with your co workers. Every stage of life, it's there. Even when you get to the nursing home. You'll have conflicts with the nurses. You'll have conflict with other residents. It never goes away. And the temptation we have is to try to blame this conflict on everybody else and say, if it wasn't for that person, this would not be happening. But the reality is, is that we are as much a source of conflict as anybody else. We are the problem in this world. All of us could think of, I'm guessing that most of us, could think of some one person or several persons who you are at odds with. And if you are honest with yourself, you know that part of the blame lies on you. That is how our sinful nature works. It's been that way ever since the Garden of Eden. When they fell into sin, who was the very first person, what was the very first thing Adam did when he was caught? He blamed Eve, and he blamed God. So right away, the conflict with God and the conflict with his wife was in place. And not, wouldn't be too long that they would have their children, Cain and Abel. And they, well Cain of course would kill Abel. This conflict never goes away in this earth. But we desire peace. We long for it. You watch most Christmas movies. And one of the, the common themes is desire for peace. A desire for tranquility. You see, families where one of the parents is overly absorbed in their job. And so there's peace that is needed in the family. Or perhaps you have an outcast, whether it be the Grinch or being the Charliest Brownest of the Charlie Browns. And you've all seen that movie, right? Charlie Brown, Christmas Carol. If you haven't, you should. It actually has the real meaning of Christmas at the end, Luke chapter 2. But anyways, it as that outcast that is brought into a community, brought into, into the midst of people. But the reality is, is over half of these relies upon us for the source of peace. We think that we are the ones that could bring peace in the world. The problem is, is that we are the reason there isn't peace. Many of us know of what, it, what it's like to try to make peace with somebody, try to make up with somebody, only to make things worse. Sound familiar to Anybody? And so we read in this text, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, each Sunday during Advent, we light a different candle, So last week we lit the hope candle. You can't really tell the difference between hope, love, and peace candle because they're all purple. But hope was last week. This week's candle is peace. As a reminder that our King, as we are in this Advent season anticipating the arrival of Jesus anticipating the celebration of Christmas, but on a larger scale anticipating his final return we are anticipating a bringing of a peace that never ends. See when Jesus went to when Jesus was born, he was born that he would go to the cross that's the reason on many We don't have it on this tree, but if you go to, if you look at many Christmas trees, you have that little red bulbs on it. They used to use apples. And the reason is that red apple symbolizes the blood of Jesus. That tree is pointing us forward to that tree. There, we have lights on the tree. We have lights on that tree. Reminding us of the light of the world on that tree. For you. To bring you forgiveness. To bring you life. To bring the peace of God to you. In the cross, delivered to you in the waters of baptism, you have peace with God. And that's where it starts. Is peace with God. And see, here's the thing is God didn't just make peace with just one person. He made peace, He makes peace with all those who believe in Him. All those He has called by grace. And the thing is, is, if he's at peace with one person, that means that person is also at peace with the other faithful. But in this world that's not fully fulfilled yet, when we come to church every week, especially when we come to a day when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we get a taste of what that is. So right before the Lord's Supper, you hear me say, the peace of the Lord be with you always. Echoing what Jesus said in the upper room right after he he rose from the dead, he said, peace be with you. And so when I say the peace of the Lord be with you always, I'm extending that very same peace to you. And in the ancient church, it used to be that as soon as the pastor said, the peace of the Lord be with you always, you would stand up and you would give one another the kiss of peace. you kiss each other on the forehead, on the cheek, whatever, is a sign of peace. Letting you know, say, everybody you exchanged that peace with, you were saying to them, we are not at odds with one another. Whatever division we have amongst one another is forgiven. Now let us go up to the Lord's supper as one body. In that supper, you receive peace through the one body. Even though we have all many little wafers, that is one bo- the one body of Jesus and by that in those little cups of wine you are made you are one body that's why when you come up to the altar i say welcome to the lord's table you bow towards the altar because on the altar is the body of jesus but i also bow towards you because you also are the body of jesus You are made one in the body body and blood of Jesus. Now to give you an image of the peace that our God can bring, there's a story that I'm going to read of. This is a, it's a song that was sung by Colin Ray. Uh, He's a country music singer, if you're familiar with him. And the opening of the song is opened by Johnny Cash, which I'm sure many of you know him. The name of the song is It Could Happen Again. It goes like this. One frozen night in 1914, at the height of World War I, the unthinkable happened. All along the entire Western Front, the British and German soldiers laid down their weapons in an unofficial ceasefire to celebrate Christmas Eve together. They exchanged gifts and saw each other as brothers. And that peace lasted for two more days when they were ordered back to battle. In those few days, though, men remembered the reason for Christmas amongst the devastation and it's a story that should never be forgotten. Through the smoke-filled night, silence rolls from both sides, across a bloody battlefield. It was a cold Christmas Eve in 1914. For those who were there, it seemed unreal. Its time was still, the spirit moved the soldiers to lay down their arms raise their voice in song and pretend for a while the war was over. If it could happen then, it could happen again. A world torn apart to join hands and hearts to celebrate his birth, peace on this earth. That's not the whole song, but that's enough of it. But that is a true story. In the first year of World War I, December 24th, trench warfare, one of the bloodiest periods in the history of the world. These soldiers who were fighting and killing one another, stop. They laid down their arms to celebrate Christmas. And the thing is, they don't just stay in their trenches. They actually go off into no man's land and celebrate Christmas together. And it's actually told that they actually helped each other bury their, each other's dead. They played a soccer game together, which the Germans won. They had a Christmas service with communion on that battlefield. This really happened. And that is an example of the peace that our God can bring. That so echoes this this encouragement. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another. In accord with Christ Jesus. That together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what those German and British troops did on the field of battle. And in fact, it has been told that most of the soldiers had to be recycled. They had to be moved from the battlefield because they could no longer fight each other. When they had celebrated Christmas with one another, they saw each other not as enemies, but as brothers And by the way, Adolf Hitler was actually on one of those battlefields. He did not like the Christmas truce. He actually said that everyone that participated in it should be put to death. But there's even more evidence it happened. But see, in the gospel lesson, you hear of Jesus predicting an even darker period than World War I is coming. A time of greater war where it will be all over this earth. Where division will be horrible. But as it said, he says, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. See, our God, who could bring peace on a battlefield in World War I, will on the last day bring peace to this entire earth. When this world is in its darkest and its bloodiest period, he will bring peace to all who he has called. And we will all join in one voice, glorifying the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, until that day comes, welcome one another as Christ welcomes you for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, Amen the grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keeping the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen. Please stand to sing Create in Me a Clean Heart.